Yo and hello. Welcome back to Podcast Free Roscoe. I'm Sammy. And I'm Jody. We're wondering. Do you remember Radio Free Roscoe? And if so, can I borrow your notes? I didn't study. Oh, I'm, I, I don't like school. <laughs> I'm glad to be out of school. I actually, I, I finally took my G1 test about 12 years late and just doing, having to study and do the multiple choice. It was like, oh, fuck. Oh, God. I'm not supposed to be here. I'm not even supposed to be here. <laughs> That's that's a really great way to introduce uh, <laughs> guest to the pod this week. He is back with a vengeance. It's Thomas Vlad. Hey yo, what's going on? <laughs> Welcome back, Tom. Thanks. I'm happy to be back. I'm feeling good. I got a I got a full tummy and uh and a full mind. Wow, can't lose. <laughs> that's the one. What does your sweater say? Home field. It's a a uh, college football apparel site that I that I purchased the sweater from. It's not uh, of a college. It's just of their brand. I know personally when I go to games, I never know where to sit because I'm just there rooting for the field. Yes, home field. You know that old Jerry Seinfeld bit? Which one? Oh, what are we rooting for? We're rooting for brass. <laughs> I'm so glad. I think that's the second Seinfeld impression we've had on this Oh podcast. my God. I, I will not complete the trifecta. <laughs> Jerry! Jerry, I broke my leg! <laughs> Wait, is Seinfeld telling himself Jerry. that he broke his leg? Yeah, my default Seinfeld impression is him yelling at himself. <laughs> so, this week we are looking at Season 2, Episode 11, Lil and Grace. First aired November 26th, 2004. It was written by Heidi Foss and directed by Phil Earnshaw. Um, both of whom have credits on other Canadian shows. Phil Earnshaw worked on a couple of Degrassi iterations. And Heidi Foss actually has a Canadian Comedy Award for her writing work on This Hour Has 22 Minutes. Ah, one of the many hubs or nodes in the Canadian network of things you've probably been involved in if you're in Canadian TV. Here's the thing you've heard of. <laughs> this episode also marks the first appearance of Grace. Uh, Grace is played by Julia Alexander. The only other acting credit on her IMDb was in True Crime, the first 27 hours. I couldn't find a ton about her. I did find her Twitter, in which her Twitter bio says, Toronto-born marketing strategist searching out the 24 carats of all things food, wine, fashion, beauty, and travel. What does that mean? Like carrots is in gold carrots? Or yeah. like 24 like carrots? Like 24 carrots, like gold. But yeah, she has not posted since 2013. So I don't know what she's oh. up to. Julia, where'd you go? Where'd you go? Well, yeah, that, that must be tough. I mean, dating three girls at once has to be exhausting. I, I guess we know how a triathlete feels now. Sure, cycling, swimming, lying. So we start off the episode, Ray's still like doing the stupid dating around thing, which I don't know how he's doing it. Like the show's making it seem like he's balancing like 10 people at once <laughs> but uh they're all kind of like all the other group is kind of watching him and lily's very clearly disturbed by the whole thing even though she's like no no it's fine she like snaps a pencil in half and we continue in the cafeteria and ray's still chatting up like everybody like i don't know how any of the other girls haven't seen him just doing this out in the open and uh yeah, he's managed to triple book himself for a bunch of dates at Mickey's and Robbie and Travis are like, yeah, man, woohoo. And then Lily's like, the fuck? And they're like, oh, I mean, not that. <laughs> it's a very weird reaction to have. It's like, oh, man, you, you're tri triple timing these ladies? Hell yeah, bro. <laughs> I, like, don't understand the point. Like, they're in <laughs> high school and their definition of cheating is like, He's hanging out at Mickey's with someone that's not me. Like, I just don't, it, either one, that's like a euphemism or two, like, they're just like stupid teens. Yeah, hanging out at Mickey's is like a hyperlocal Roscoe term. Does that apply to every instance of them hanging out at Mickey's throughout the series? <laughs> Everyone is dating all the time. Yes. Lily is using every opportunity she can to just kind of dig at Ray because she doesn't appreciate him lying and she thinks he's being really shallow about it you know lily's kind of laying into him at the the cafeteria table and saying like this isn't how you're gonna meet your special somebody they're gonna show up when you least expect it and where he's like yeah that only happens in movies then stands up and bumps into 
this unnamed girl who we haven't met yet. Ooh. Who's significant moment. Just carrying a cafeteria tray. And he's like, oh, sorry. A meet cute in the cafeteria? A meet cute? But then he, he does this thing where he like leaves the, the room and he just kind of like taps a random girl on the shoulder and he's like, what's up? See you later. <laughs> <laughs> so in the station, they're doing this he said, she said segment and they decide to make the segment about casual dating. And Lily says that casual dating is for commitment phobes. And, you know, they end up opening the line to callers to see what they think. And sure enough, somebody who turns out to be one of Ray's dates calls in and says, you know, oh, things feel serious for me, but I feel like he might be more casual. Like he blew me off for for these plans we had at Mickey's tonight. I'm just wondering how this how long this has been going on that some poor girl clearly thinks she's in a serious relationship with Ray. <laughs> and meanwhile, he's still dating every girl under the sun. <laughs> but Mickey's like, it's not like it's a place where you do a lot. You just, you yeah. listen to music and you drink coffee. And I think we see people studying there a lot. So it's just, it's just constant coffee dates. And we know that like from previous episodes, Ray kind of sucks at talking for a long time. And that's all yes. they can be doing. Oh, I almost forgot about our B plot. Like our random Travis and Robbie oh, thing. Yeah. I have thoughts. So after the show ends, like Travis is leaving and Robbie's like, guess what? And he just throws a baseball at Travis. And it, he's it's been signed by some baseball great that Robbie really likes. And Travis just casually mentions, he's like, oh yeah, my dad toured me around like, to see a Japanese baseball team. And I met some guy named Hideki Matsui. And Robbie's like, oh! It turns out he's a big Hideki Matsui fan. So I have no idea where this plot is going, but it's Travis and Robbie times, which I feel like we don't really see super often. I feel like our other experience of Travis and Robbie times was the egg drop episode where they tried to foil Ed and Ted. So hopefully this is more wholesomely intended. Yes. Yeah. Ed and Ted are occupied elsewhere, I think. Hideki Matsui sucks. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad we have our sports friend on this I'm podcast. so mad. They picked the worst Japanese baseball player ever. Oh, no. Ichiro Suzuki is right there. He's right there. You can use him. Um, <laughs> everyone agrees he's better. Um, you know, Junichi Chizawa is out there. Youngway Koo is out there. Oh, no. Youngway Koo's a football player. Who's the guy? I'm th- oh, Kude Sung. Kude Sung's the one I'm thinking of. He's out there. You have options. And you decided to make Robbie a Yankees uh. fan. Which... If this is supposed to be set in New Jersey, kind of makes sense, but he definitely has more Mets energy. Um, <laughs> so I'm upset. I, I like the thought of having Mets energy like it's um, like your horoscope. Yes. Mets rising. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think I understand astrology now. <laughs> yes. Anyway, I'll be rooting against Robbie for today's episode. Oh my god, are Robbie and Travis, um, Corbin Blue and Lucas Graybeal? Oh. And Travis doesn't know a lot about baseball, and Robbie's going to educate him about baseball, but it turns out that Travis knows a lot about baseball from his time in Japan. Thomas has put the image of Travis in a high school musical in my head, and it's awful. Oh, Oh, I love it. I'm just picturing like people, that whole one where it's like everybody's like singing about fitting in and stuff like that. And they go to like what's supposed to be Travis's big solo. And he's just kind of like standing there, like writing an email to Bridget being like, oh, dear Bridget, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> no, you you know, he would like the plot would be Waller would rope him into it as like. I don't know, punishment or suspicion of him being an yes. bar or something like that. He would get forced into doing the school play by Waller. And then at the last minute, it would be like Waller's watching in the audience and Travis's like act of defiance is like, instead of like doing a solo or like a monologue <gasps> or something, he delivers like a speech about censorship. And yes. that's how the episode ends. I love it. I love it. Please accept my RFR fanfic. <laughs> I would love to see Travis direct a high school musical. Just... Guys, start the RFR Ideas Wiki. Like, you have the resources to to do this. It's all right there. After you run out of episodes that actually exist, how long do you think you could go, like, pretending that you're talking about real episodes before someone notices? (laughs) I mean, if we can do it with the rigor of whoever is behind the Martin Mystery Ideas Wiki. Oh, fuck. Hundreds. Hundreds of ideas. (laughs) Jesus. 
I mean, not to reveal my plans, but I've often thought about like trying to preempt like whatever shows you're going to be talking about and like going on to the fan blogs and leaving like extensive like bullshit. Um, but it's honestly just too much effort. We're going to get there eventually. I'm going to try to make it subtle enough, but know that I'll be lurking in whatever fan forums you get to. Oh my god, Amazing. well, the, I mean, when we did George Shrinks, the latest comment was like four days before, and now I'm fully convinced that that was you. <gasps> well, and ever no, it wasn't, but everything that you said that the fans were saying pretty closely mirrored our conversation that we had about George Shrinks a few months back. Yes. Did you talk about how you wanted to put him in the pool? <laughs> <laughs> No, no, I missed that one. You you also missed um in that episode like ten minutes of Sammy and I uncontrollably laughing over I'll put you in the pool. I would I will put you in the pool. <laughs> I'm just thinking of George Shrinks bobbing on a pool in that little hamster ball like tree ornament that you have. It was so good. Oh, God, I'm going to put George in the toilet in that ornament <laughs> to rot until he dies. Um, I'm going to so go to the anyway. stinkiest restaurant I can find, and I'm going to paint George on the inside of the bowl. The stinkiest restaurant. That'd be a good prank. I'm going to learn, like, hyper-realistic drawings, and I'm going <laughs> to learn how to draw, like, a tiny man inside the toilet and see how many, like, <laughs> drunk boys I can get to reach down and try to rescue the toilet man. It's just been like, man, I've been quarantined. We've been sitting at home for like eight months now. And like, I haven't learned how to do hyper realistic boy drawings yet. And I feel like such a failure. We've been in quarantine for so long. I haven't reached into my toilet. (laughs) To rescue a tiny man. I haven't saved any men for my toilet. (laughs) I must save the toilet men. I have got to be... A toilet man. <laughs> um, speaking of toilet men, in the next uh, scene, <laughs> in Mickey's in the next real- scene, somebody. <laughs> Sorry, no. I'd like to find out what happens in the toilet in the next scene at Mickey's. Well, Ray's being a bit of a toilet man in that he like inevitably gets found out by three different girls, and they like flip him over a couch and dump shit on him. And Parker and Lily are watching from afar, and they're like, "This is awesome." One of the girls very dramatically and very slowly pours like oh, it's just a cup of a water. Of- <laughs> yeah, is it? It's though? so slow. It really is just like a slow, steady stream of just like not even a dramatic like would you yeah. dump, but just. But but then the next girl throws like thirty napkins on him. Oh my god! Why did she have like, so many napkins? Mickey's gonna have to clean that up. But then when they leave, we see like Ray kind of like pull himself up and he's like struggling to get up as if like the force of all of the the napkins really just took Uh, it out of him. Yeah. Well, I mean, they did get wet, so they were probably they were probably a little bit heavy. No, wet napkins, my weakness. (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) Ray's covered in wet napkins and Lily's like, is this a good time to ask him out? And Parker's like, yeah, go for it. What? What's going on? It's just a stupid transition. I know. Lily walks over to Ray and she's sort of like, yeah, sorry about the whole like getting dumped thing. And he's like, you're not sorry. And then they end up doing this sort of coy thing where Lily tells him that she he's dating the wrong girls. And Ray's like, well, uh, if only there was a girl who would date me. And Lily's doing this whole thing. It's like, well, I might know somebody. She's kind of like me. So she's trying to do like this coy thing where she's like, I'm talking about me. Uh, but it sounds like I'm not talking about me. Ooh. <laughs> Ray does like the same thing back to her. Um, and so they, they set a, a, the possibility of a double date, although Lily thinks it's just a single date with her and Ray, at karaoke night the next night. That's right. It's karaoke night at Mickey's. And we get introduced to this because Mickey puts up a karaoke night poster and Parker like rushes over because she wants to MC karaoke night. And Mickey's like, well, I was going to do that. And then Ed and Ted pop in. Ed and Ted are there. And of course, they have like this elaborate plan for karaoke night. And they start like asking Mickey questions. And Mickey's like, you know what, Parker? You go for it. This is your problem now. But we get like a good bit of like them running up to Parker in the hallway, like giving her (laughs) gifts. So she'll give them the best spot at karaoke. What is the best spot at karaoke? spot at karaoke? (laughs) 
Is there a good spot at karaoke? I don't think so. I remember there was karaoke at my school one year, but it was just like in the gym and it was just like like a school spirit thing where you could just go and watch people perform karaoke in the gym. <laughs> we did I we did a lot of karaoke a few summers ago. I did like a a 5 week program at um UVic. <laughs> a 5 week karaoke. <laughs> 5 week karaoke <laughs> intensive <laughs> masterclass. Yes. <laughs> When I was in grade seven, we went on a, a ski slash French trip to Quebec for a few days. And there's a very gregarious gentleman, uh, gentleman. He was my name, Cullen. Um, and they were like, oh, we're going to have a, a talent show. Uh, and so one of the like teachers convinced Cullen to sing a song because this is the type of thing that Cullen would do. And Cullen decided like, oh, I'm going to sing I Will Survive and it's going to be like funny. Um, and so this teacher and Cullen start like practicing and it becomes immediately evident that Cullen does not know the words to I will survive at all. Um, <laughs> oh, it gets worse. Um, and so I'm in the room and you know, I'm a, I'm a know-it-all and I start being like, well, eh, you don't know the lyrics that I will survive. I know them all. And, oh, and this wow. teacher's like, oh great. You're now performing with no. Cullen. <laughs> So I performed uh, in front of like a hundred kids from my school, from other schools in my town that I didn't know in my pajama pants with no music and no background oh, lyrics. No, um, no music. And with oh, no. no music and no lyrics, but I had them all memorized. And me and Cullen, like I awkwardly danced. Cullen, see, the difference is um, <laughs> when you're doing karaoke, no one uh, is impressed if you know all the lyrics, but have no confidence. Um, they're really impressed when you know none of the lyrics and have all confidence. So Cullen was a hit um, and was deeply impressed. And um, Noah Mamick slammed my head into the ice while playing hockey. Uh, and I got a concussion. And then I got called um, a mean word by Matt Williams. Uh, and then the principal came and talked to me uh, about it. And I cried. And Noah had to come say I'm sorry. So Jesus fucking Christ. I didn't realize every time we invited you on, we were going to get um, like a very distraught story. Thomas's trauma corner. The oh grade seven God. ski trip was sick, bro. Oh, man. It's called bubble tea. It's the new thing. Thanks, Robbie. Bubble tea. But you can't guess the flavor. Mmm, lychee. You've had one before, haven't you? At my last school, the cafeteria had a bubble tea machine. We get a tiny little scene in the cafeteria where lunch is just about ending and Robbie comes in with two giant bubble teas for him and Travis. And Robbie's like, oh, this new place just opened up. It's first of its kind. Travis is like, oh, yeah, bubble tea, because he's totally had bubble tea before. And Robbie's com completely disappointed that Travis has had it before. And Travis is like, yeah, in Hong Kong, we had a bubble tea machine. And it turns out, like, Robbie does not like bubble tea. But we're, we're starting, I think it's, you know, we're starting to get what's going on with Robbie and Travis. Is that Travis has lived this very worldly life. And Robbie's like, oh, but I want to be impressive too. And then in the next scene, Robbie's throwing his baseball against the wall. And Ray comes up to, to chat with him. And Robbie's like, oh, my baseball is losing its luster. Ray talks to Robbie about this grand plan that he and Lily have where they're going to have this double date. And Robbie's teasing Ray a bit because Ray's always Ray's always trying to find a way to fuck things up so that Lily will end up with him instead. But Ray's like, no, I'm genuinely trying to do something this time. But uh, Robbie teases him so much that Ray's like, I'm not going to tell you who the guy is. So whoever Ray is setting Lily up with is still a mystery. In the radio station, we have he said, she said again, or he talked, she talked, whichever um and the topic is women playing in men's sports and ray says like the shittiest thing <laughs> it's so bad he's like yeah women shouldn't play in team sports we all know how much they hate it when they wear the same thing and it's just like lily why do you like this guy <laughs> it's just like one of those like shitty boy moments in volleyball they wear different jerseys was that thomas Oh, I was just, just I was just saying some volleyball trivia. You go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> and then it gets even worse because it goes to Lily's response. She's like, I completely agree. Because <laughs> it's like, I don't know. I guess she's trying to like, you know, she doesn't want to be confronting because she's excited about this date later and she wants to woo Ray. 
But yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Rachel <laughs> says this misogynist thing, and Lily's like, yep, <laughs> fine by me. Team Travis. Team Travis. <laughs> I can't believe, again, my I remembered almost nothing of this show until uh, you guys started this podcast. And like, in the initial episode, you do nothing but shit on Travis the whole time about how he's so <laughs> awful and so annoying and pretentious and a huge asshole. But like, he's like, I, I am defiantly team Travis, not only in the Ray Travis debate, um, in, in seemingly all conflicts. I am pro Travis. I, I mean, I feel it's, like it's been a hot minute since we have um, staked the claim that Travis killed a man. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it doesn't mean that he didn't, but... That doesn't make you a bad person either. Yeah. (laughs) Travis has actually proven himself to be, you know, he still has his douchey moments, like completely ghosting his best friend and stuff like that, and instead writing pretentious postcards that he was never going to send. But generally, he's, he's a nice boy. So the show ends, and Travis is showing off his sort of collection of sound samples from from different places check out my wave files bro yeah (laughs) robbie starts you know complaining a bit that travis has been to all these amazing places and robbie's barely been outside of roscoe and travis is like it's not my fault my father's a diplomat (laughs) and (laughs) robbie's like you know what we're gonna go get some roscoe sounds and they're gonna be way more exciting than all of your well-traveled things and so i guess this is the robbie travis adventure is Robbie's going to give Travis an authentic experience of the soundscape of Mickey's discs and the sounds of Roscoe with like the the B-roll that we've seen. It's just going to be like train noise. Yeah. So we close our first half. This the impending double date between Ray and Lily is coming soon. And Ray and Travis are going to have a little Roscoe adventure in our next half. So uh, Thomas's return to the podcast comes partially because of a, a message he sent to us calling us out on our lack of Timothy goes to school content. This is the only reason I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> He's leaving after this. It's a brand new day, so come on and play in a world that's way. Timothy Goes to School first aired from 2000 to 2002. It was produced by Silver Lining Productions, Animation Services Hong Kong Limited, and Nelvana, of course. So it was created by Rosemary Wells, who also created the book that it was based off of. So she was a children's book author and illustrator from New Jersey. Her other series include uh, Sophie and the McDuff series. Her biggest series of books is the Max and Ruby series. Very consistent art style between that and this. A lot of rodent content across all of her books. She's just (laughs) a lot of she's from the rodent genre. Just just draws a lot of rodents, but did just did a ton of uh, kids picture books, a couple of which got adapted into TV. So um, executive producers for the show. Surprise. It's Michael Hirsch. Uh, Michael Hirsch, Patrick Lubert, and Clive Bates. It's Michael Hirsch. The series is executive Who's produced. That Pokemon? <laughs> it's Michael Hirsch. It's the outline of a man. <laughs> so the series was executive produced by Michael Hirsch, Patrick Lubert, and Clive A. Smith, who are the founders of Nelvana. And Heidi Foss was actually the writer of many episodes. Heidi Foss being the writer of this very episode of RFR that we are watching. Bang. Wow. I totally own a Rosemary Wells book. For some reason, hearing that name like activated something in the deep recesses of my mind. Mm -hmm. And like, I think grade one or something, our teacher gave everybody like a little like kids book at the end of the year. And so somewhere I have a Rosemary Wells book for my grade one teacher. Aw, that's cute. So a bit about the series. So it was based off of um, some of Rosemary Wells' books, uh, mostly off of the series Yoko, series of books Yoko, but um, there's other characters from it, from the books, uh, Shy Charles, Fritz and the Mets Fairy. Sorry. <laughs> the Mets Fairy? <laughs> Does the fairy have Mets energy? <laughs> <laughs> you got me thinking about it. It's a Tooth Fairy remake starring Bartolo Colon instead of The Rock. <laughs> Two people are going to like that joke. It's funny. (laughs) I'll trust you on that. 
Um, that's Fritz and the Mess Fairy and Noisy Nora, but uh, the show itself is titled after the book of the same name, Timothy Goes to School. So Timothy Goes to School, the series, primarily focuses on a young, enthusiastic raccoon named Timothy. Now I get why Thomas wanted to talk about this one. Who attends kindergarten <laughs> at a fictional place called Hilltop School, along with 10 other students, each of which are different animals, except for the Frank twins. The kindergarten class is taught by Mrs. Jenkins, a comforting teacher who enjoys educating and helping her students. I think it's important for listeners of our audio podcast to note that Tom started dancing very excitedly in his seat. As soon as I said raccoon. I love this show and I love raccoons. I'm so amped. (laughs) (laughs) So I'll go into the cast a little bit. Timothy is voiced by Austin DiUlio, who also voiced um, Piccola. The, the penguin in that in that series. Um, oh, Becola! I found Amazing. I found a little blurb from the uh, Timothy Goes to School fandom wiki that says <laughs> Timothy's voice actor also portrayed the lead character in the English version of Pecola. Ironically, both Pecola and Timothy wear blue and white striped shirts. Isn't it ironic? <laughs> what a what a fun bit of irony. Austin DiUlio uh, also did voice acting in series like Miss Spider's Sunny Patch Friends. Jojo Circus and was also an additional dancer in the 2007 film adaptation of Hairspray. Cool. Very fun. Random. Um, he also has a Bachelor of Aerospace Engineering from Ryerson, according to what? Mandy. I found his Mandy profile if anybody is looking to hire him. And through What's that, Mandy? Mandy's like a, um, it's like a job board for people working in like film and TV. So there's like a section for, he's in the actor section. There's also like a crew section. Yeah, but through that, I also found his resume. So (laughs) fun thing. Dox him, do it. (laughs) Coming for you. Dox Timothy. Austin Delio. God, I want to cut off his face and go to all the Timothy goes to school convention appearances. (laughs) It's my sick Austin Delio cosplay. Who would know? Let's be honest. Some other voice actors on the show, you've got uh, Lisa Yamanaka as Yoko, who is the cat in the show. She also voiced Wanda on the Magic School Bus, and uh, I thought it was a very cute fact, voiced Wanda's mother in the sequel series, The Magic School Bus Rides Again. Aww. She came back. That's so nice. We also see some familiar names coming up. We've got Joanne Vanicola as Claude. She was also a voice actress in uh, Seven Little Monsters, which we've talked about before. We've got Linda Cash as Grace. Linda Cash was in um, some of the Christopher Guest movies. She's in Best in Show and Waiting for Guffman. Has had bit parts in a bunch of TV shows. Uh, Seinfeld, Everybody Loves Raymond. And recently, Cavendish, the, the 2019 series. Oh my god. From our Picnic Face. I need to rewatch Cavendish. <laughs> but my, my favorite connection um, voicing Nora is Allison Court. Lunette herself. Stop. The last episode we did with Tom. <laughs> this was meant to be, Tom. It's meant to be. How dare you tie Timothy goes to school to my trauma? It's <laughs> 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 my safe zone. Sorry, just just think about Blade Court. It's all good. Blade Court. Blade Court. <laughs> oh my Court. god, that's where I'll end up after I cut off Austin Julio's <laughs> face. <laughs> so, um, going into my favorite segment of our CanCon bits at this point. It's it's time for petitions. I only found one for uh, Timothy Goes to School. This one's just called A Complete DVD and Blu-ray Release for Timothy Goes to School. I don't know if this cartoon is any popular, but I really like Timothy Goes to School. Anyway, I notice it only have 26 episodes. So why not a complete DVD release for this? I've noticed it has multiple DVD releases in the last decade. I have a good number of them. There are 13 of them. I'd be buying them from Amazon.com. <laughs> women be shopping you know, I'd be buying Timothy goes to school <laughs> one problem though 12 out of 13 are on amazon.com but one of them is on amazon.ca the title of it is just in time my concern is how it's on amazon.ca and not on amazon.com doesn't seem to make sense and I don't know anything what? about Canadian I don't even know if he'll be able to get it and that's why I'm asking for a complete DVD release with all 26 episodes. If anybody is interested in signing this petition, be my guest. Okay, this person's gone about it all wrong. What they should have done was contacted me to purchase it on Amazon.com. And I will ship it across the border to them. When is this post from? 
and is it a child? Can I send the mail legally? There's there's one um, comment on this petition, and it's from a woman who says that her seven-month-old son will fall asleep while watching this show. <laughs> Get Isn't... dunked on, Timothy goes to school. No, how it's that's the exact nice type way. of content I'm looking for. Yes. <laughs> Can I take this opportunity to talk about my favorite episode of Timothy Goes to School? Please do. There's an episode of this show, which I vividly remember, where the two twins... Um, I believe they're some sort of like French bulldogs. Um, they're kind of like, uh, the dumb meatheads. Um, and there's one episode where they like, can't agree on like who gets to go through the door first. So they like always agree to go through the door at the same time and they like squeeze through, but they're like big. So they have to like squeeze to get through it at the same time. And they rub up against each other so much that they both get rashes. (laughs) I don't know what like the lesson on this kid's show is. About like, hey, if you compromise, you'll get a rash. <laughs> um, but the show's great. Yeah. So perusing the internet, I found so many Reddit posts that were just all in the like, remember this show kind of vein. Just so many, so many people just trying to form community, but not doing it all in the same thread. I personally did not grow up watching this show. Um, so I, you know, as part of this process was like looking up watching clips of it. The theme song is the nicest thing in the world. It made me want to cry. It's so, it's so sweet. You try with things like Timothy by your side. There's a new adventure in everything we do. I want to be friends with every single character on this show. Look at this mouse wearing overalls holding a maple key. I'm loving the passionate, like, 80s ballad energy. Yeah, but it's just so it. nice. It's so great. It's such a nice it's a very, theme. Yeah, it's lovely. It really is. I wonder who sang it. Oh, Stan Meisner. Meisner. He was nominated for Most Promising Male Vocalist at the 1986 Juno Awards. Wow. He was the president of SOCAN for a while. He's chairman of the board of directors of the Canadian Songwriters Hall of Fame. Oh, Wow. Is that in London? What's the thing in London beside the London Music Hall? What is that? Oh, that's just like the London Hall of Fame. It's just like oh, really? musicians from London. Yeah, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not We're a national not that importance. special. As as two Londoners, how does it feel that all of the cool people are from St. Thomas and not London? <laughs> Excuse me? St. <laughs> Thomas celebrity slaps so much harder than London celebrities. Both Ryan Gosling and uh, Rachel McAdams are from St. Thomas. Joe Thornton is from St. Thomas. Jumbo's ghost is from St. Thomas. <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, new band name, Jumbo's Ghost. So disrespectful that they still have trains there. <laughs> That's honestly the most metal thing about St. Thomas ever. I can't convince anyone I know that, like, an elephant got hit by a train and died in St. Thomas. There's a whole ass <laughs> statue. If you go to the city hall in St. Thomas and you go to the bathroom, you look in the toilet, (laughs) there is a hyper-realistic, like, it's like an optical illusion. As you get closer to the toilet, it changes, and it looks like the train is getting closer and closer to the elephant. And it's like, do you reach down and pull the lever and redirect the trolley away from five elephants and towards... Just the one. (laughs) I didn't realize Jumbo was part of the trolley problem. God. So Timothy goes to school. You guys know Stan Meisner did the music for Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. What is Ghoulies? (laughs) (laughs) As well as Friday the 13th, Part 7 and 8. What is Ghoulies? Ghoulies is an American comedy horror series that consists of four films in a novel. The film centers on a group of small demonic creatures that have a wide range of twisted appearances. Oh my god! Oh no! Shut the fuck up! <laughs> are you looking at the cover? Are you looking? Are you looking at the poster for Ghoulies? <laughs> it's a photorealistic Ghoulie boy coming out of the toilet. Oh, oh, oh my no. god! Ghoulies two is even better. There's an upper decker Ghoulie. Oh. <laughs> Shut up. I can't believe this. 
fuck. I'm never going to get that Toilet Man trademark. I really didn't think our thread through this episode was going to be Toilet Men. <laughs> but there it is. There Wait, it is. did you say the Ghoulies go to college? Apparently in Ghoulies 3. Oh yep, my god, there it is. I literally, there it I literally is. just got McCar- to the Ghoulies 3 poster. They're in caps and gowns. This is the wildest shit I've ever seen. Like, Kevin McCarthy plays a main character in it, oh, also no. known as the main villain in UHF. Oh, no, Kevin McCarthy. <laughs> One of these ghoulies has a gun. <laughs> it's, that's the name of like the fifth movie. One of these ghoulies has a gun. Which ghoulies one? got a gun. <laughs> one of the ghoulies has a, a a crop top and suspenders, and none of the other ghoulies have clothes. He's the alpha ghoulie. And he's in the toilet. Why are you wearing clothes in the toilet? Oh, 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 I've discovered an article. Oh, boy. Are you ready to be ripped apart by this fucking article from November 27th, 2019 by Brad Hawkins from Adventures in Videoland? Bring it. Jordan Peele to helm Black Ghoulies for Netflix next Thanksgiving. (laughs) Oh, my God. Casting for the film is already underway with Chiwetel Ejiofor set to play the role of Lawrence Weathers, a man returning to his childhood home. Jeffrey Wright is rumored in talks to play the titular Iyomba, a creature from Zambian mythology that devours shadows of its victims. Why are you saying the titular the titular Iyomba if the movie's called Ghoulies? Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's pretty wild. Can I share with you my favorite ghoulie? Yes. <laughs> the Ghoulies wiki, the Ghoulies wiki is telling me this ghoulie is called Fish Ghoulie. Fish Ghoulie wider than a mile. <laughs> Oh, oh no! Oh, that's bad. Ooh. Ooh. He's got like a tie and a collared shirt and a pork pie. Oh, fish! None ghoulie. of the other ghoulies, not even crop top ghoulie, gets a pork pie. That's one of those sentences you hear and you just imagine taking it out of context, and it's like, it's a good sentence. Not even crop top ghoulie gets a pork pie. Ghoulie gets a pork pie. That that's that's a good children's book. So diving back into Timothy Ghost. <laughs> Um, the, the fandom wiki is uh, fairly built out. Some people have put some time into it. Um, oh one my of my favorite excerpts from it um, is just like a little bit of trivia that says, in one of the books, Timothy was shown to have a mischievous personality. Oh, hot trivia. <laughs> no, not true. Timothy's so pure of heart. My favorite thing that exists in the Timothy Goes to School fandom wiki is a post that somebody made October 20th, 2019, um, it's called it's called protagonists versus antagonists. Feel free to edit if need be, and it's just a list of all the episodes of the show saying who the protagonist was and who the antagonist was. So it's like season one, episode one. Timothy goes to school. Protagonist Timothy. Antagonist Claude. Antagonist just- school. <laughs> Somebody's just learned what protagonist and antagonist means. Like, oh, fuck. I gotta analyze Timothy goes to school. Uh. I love how recent it is, too, for a show that's like 20 years old. Mm-hmm. That always gets me. Can I bring my my dad back into the CanCon commercial break? I oh, mean, I, I said Claude. I must have summoned him. Well, you did. Um, you organically allowed it to come up. Um, the other raccoon in the show that's not Timothy, he wears, this one wears like a green smock. His name is, is Claude. Uh, and my dad's name is Claude. Um, but on the show, they called him Claude. <laughs> this villain raccoon's name was Claude. Um, and I took offense to that as a child because I went, it's not Claude, it's Claude. That's my dad. Oh. <laughs> and then your dad said, I'm going to count to 10. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird part of the show when, it, when Claude <laughs> the raccoon started counting down and pulled out a little knife. <laughs> turned off all the lights in the house and started chasing Timothy around. That was a weird part of the show. My dad didn't stab me. I'd like to put this on public record. Not once did he ever pull out a little knife and threaten me with it. The worst thing he used to do was he would take a laser pointer and he would point it all around the house without like showing me and I'd be like, I saw like a red dot on the wall. He's like, what? Where's that coming from? And then he would, like, make me think it was, like, a ghost or, like, a sniper trying to kill me. 
I feel like I feel like our dad didn't pull like pranks on us too badly, but I do have like a vivid memory of when we first moved here. Um, oh when we God, moved yes. to Ontario, um, he wasn't able to to move here full time with us because uh, his transfer his job hadn't gone through. So we had like a kind of like family reunion get together kind of thing, and we got him on like a Skype call, and we had him on an iPad, and we were passing him around to everybody so he could like say hi to everybody in the family, and. The iPad got past our cousin, who was like, I don't know, four at the time. Yeah, like three or four. Yeah, really young. And as soon as the iPad gets passed to like this this small, small child, their dad goes, I'm trapped, let me out of here. <laughs> like starts to like bang on the iPad. And the child is very upset. <laughs> yes. Your dad's so sick. Shitless. <laughs> is this the cousin that vapes? No, this is the no, brother of the cousin her, that vapes. Her brother. Just saying, might be tied to some childhood trauma. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Dad, did you make our cousin vape? Uh, one more thing in the fandom wiki. I found uh, another page in the blog post that says, I know this wikia isn't extremely popular, but I know some people actually come here from time to time. I wish to take a moment to thank anyone who actually cares about this place and chastise those who are idiotic enough to want to ruin it. If you think it's funny, it isn't. And I only hope one day someone trolls you in response to make you pay for your own jerkish attitude. Holy shit. Um, other fandom places, the the Tumblr tag is pretty poppin'. It's a pretty popular Tumblr tag. A lot of shipping really? posts. A lot of people just talking about how Timothy and Yoko were like the first thing that they ever shipped. Oh. And then there's there's one picture of just like Claude with like a, a jug of juice and he's like pouring cups for everybody. And then it the caption for it just says, it's International Food Day, Claude, not bring fucking mango juice to school day. <laughs> I will not allow anyone to bring any profanity into this blessed show. <laughs> um, I did find there are, uh, I think, 10 entries in the fanfiction.net section for Timothy Goes to oh, School. Oh, shit. One of which is about Timothy and his class going through 9-11. Oh, no! No, 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 no. It's just about them finding out about 9-11 and them dealing no. with it. No, no, no. Oh, my God. This was written September 19th, 2019. Oh, I thought you were going to say September 19th, 2001. <laughs> like somebody was like, I need a way to process this. And I'll do it through Timothy. I've never thought of looking at the fanfiction.net entries for our shows. It's a really good idea. <laughs> there, there are some you don't want to touch. Based off yeah, of what right. I found in the fandom wiki, Monster by Mistake is one of those. Oh, <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> So I'm I'm researching Timothy Goes to School, and I mentioned before that Rosemary Wells also authored the Max and Ruby series. So in researching, I also like just kind of kept bumping into Max and Ruby stuff. If I can go on a little tangent about them briefly, I found a uh, BuzzFeed article that's called 19 Times Max the Bunny Was Filled with Silent Murderous Rage. <laughs> and it's just a bunch of like scenes of him looking very angry the entire show it, it's it's the equivalent of the arthur fist yes yes it's it's actually it's less arthur fist and more um peppa pig when her friend whistles and she hangs up the phone <laughs> and it's just her like, yes um also in in this little tangent if i may i i came across a uh max and ruby specific meme that i've never heard oh. of and is very stupid and is called beep beep lettuce <laughs> and, uh, Wait, that sounds familiar. And I guess I might have heard. I of guess this. it's in response to the fact that, like Max, at least in the early seasons of the show, because he was supposed to be like a really little kid, didn't say many words throughout the the episode. Like he would only say a couple of words. But the caliber of these is very similar to um, the the Franklin book edits oh, that I found. Memes. Not not the oh. Danklin ones. The book edits. Um, okay yeah in terms of the content <laughs> just being shocking <laughs> i i did find um two max and ruby petitions i'll start with this one this one uh this petition is called cancel season 11 of max and ruby what the text says 
We need Max and Ruby to get canceled after its first 10 seasons because I got thrilled by a sixth season of Max and Ruby being confirmed. Max and Ruby 0004 explained about Max and Ruby's parents. When I came to Geoshia's lost episodes creepypasta wiki, Geoshia said <laughs> Max and Ruby had lost their noses and mouths and their eyes got replaced with big black holes when a stone saying RIP mommy and daddy appeared, their eyes are lost, and then Max died by accident and for now Ruby is on her own. Wait, huh? <laughs> Max and Morris now talk completely and attend pre-K. Ruby and Max had changed their clothes now. The teachers, Max and Ruby's students in their class, and Max and Ruby's parents are finally introduced. The theme song also got edited and recorded again by Rosemary. A curious preschooler called Max and a bossy first grader Ruby are cute, fluffy, and cuddly bunnies. I, I don't understand. In the pilot, Rosemary made a mistake. <laughs> in the pilot, Rosemary made a mistake. When an episode called Louise's Secret got re-aired, the mistake was resolved. Sign your petition so there will be an 11th season of Max and Ruby. Did they think... Uh, I don't understand the part with the creepypasta. I, I don't understand any of these three sections by themselves. <laughs> or as a whole. To, to close out my little uh, tangent here, the second Max and Ruby petition I found is called Stop Telling Me I Should Have Named My Bunnies Max and Ruby. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine this. You've adopted a bunny. You don't know what to name her, but soon enough you come up with a great name. Lola. It's perfect. But then you realize she might have depression, so she needs a friend. You go to the shelter and find a perfect bunny friend for her. You decide his name should be Max. The bunnies get along great. Everything is fine. Until the fateful day when, you're, when you tell your friend their names and they say, should have been Max and Ruby. You don't laugh. It's not funny. Ruby isn't a good name. Sorry. You say, no, Ruby is a terrible name. Because it is. Unfortunately, it gets worse. As you tell more and more people their names, it's always met with the same response. You should have named them Max Ruby. It's not funny anymore. I'm sick of it. Please stop. Now let's all rally together and sign this petition to end people telling me to name my bunnies Max and Ruby when we all know Ruby is a stupid name. Oh my god. There are two, two uh, comments in the reasons for signing section. The first one says, no Max and Rub. <laughs> <laughs> the second one says, I'm signing because I hate it when people tell me to name my bunny that awful name. If your name is Ruby, you suck. <laughs> um, so we'll just wrap up with some reviews of Timothy Goes to School. This one says, how on hell it's got rating of six? <laughs> I saw this series when I was five to eight year old, and it was so good in many ways. The plot in each episode is wonderful and sweeping the children. <laughs> sweeping the children? Yep. What? <laughs> it's wonderful and sweeping <laughs> the children, I guess. A very mature series in relation to a series designed for children aged eight and under. The characters are simply wonderful one by one. In short, an excellent series for children, and adults can certainly enjoy it. My rating is eight. How in hell did it just get a six? This one, I guess this was for the book Timothy Goes to School, but I thought I would share it for variety. This one says, avoid this book, please. This is a no. dismal little story with a very damaging message. <laughs> it teaches children that the answer to feeling intimidated by people of higher abili ability is not to admire them and try to better yourself, but to find someone who's feeling inferior and join them in cutting the high achievers down. This book is damaging oh, on so Jesus. many levels that for the first time in my life, I actually scratched out words and rewrote the book before giving it to my daughter. The pictures are very nice or it would have hit the trash bin. Holy fuck. Can you imagine censoring Timothy goes to school? Christ almighty. Now, finally, uh, this review says, now this was a show to enjoy. Now this was a show that did not involve handholding or stupid characters. It was about animal kids and their problems at animal school. The theme song and the characters were amazing. Frank and Frank kind of annoying, though. The animation is way better than the 3D crap of 2020. Yes, that's right. This review is from this year. Each God, child shit. had strengths and weaknesses that were seen in various episodes. Verdict. I recommend this show to babies and children of 2020. <laughs> it's way better than the current 2020 shows. Hell Babies yes, I am a baby of 2020, <laughs> and I do love this show. I'm so glad, Thomas. Incredible. That's my my uh, little dive into Timothy Goes to School. Um, Treehouse Direct has put most, if not all, of the episodes on YouTube, so you can go oh, and, and give it a watch. 
Thomas, any closing thoughts on Timothy Goes to School? Everybody should go and watch that Rash episode. (laughs) (laughs) I'd like to dedicate this song to my best friend in the whole wide world, Ted. And I'd like to dedicate this song to my best friend, Karaoke night is finally here, and Parker introduces Ed and Ted, (laughs) and they're like in the middle of dedicating the song to each other. Mickey starts the the super like midi track of Beautiful Dreamer that Ed and Ted start singing together. It's a perfect Ed and Ted moment. It's beautiful. But then Lily enters Mickey's, and we see she uh, she spots Ray, and she does the you know cover his eyes kind of thing. That is just. Real, real popular in uh, in yeah. the series, um, but she, you know, is still convinced that this is their date and this is their moment. And um, Ray's like, "So, are you excited to to meet who your date is?" And Lily thinks that he's still playing along, uh, but cue him bringing in his friend Mark. And it turns out Ray did actually set her up with somebody, and it wasn't, you know, he wasn't like playing a bit that Lily was. So now she's upset because this was supposed to be them getting together and it didn't happen. And now also she's got to find a date for him to to prove that she, you know, didn't actually believe that they were going on a date. Got to be straightforward, kids. She she rushes off to find somebody and we get this just this one little like bit of Mark saying, yeah, she's all right. <laughs> kind of like in the mix just before the scene changes. <laughs> and uh, Lily immediately beelines to Parker because Parker will save the day somehow. Parker ends up tapping the shoulder of the girl sitting nearby, and it's the same girl who bumped into Ray at the beginning in the cafeteria. And they're like, hey, do you want to help Lily out and just go on a date with this guy? <laughs> and Parker makes up this whole thing. He's like, yeah, he's really been crushing on you. And Gracie's like, oh, well, he is cute. So I don't know. I guess I guess the actual double date is about to begin. Mia as an adult, I'm so uncomfortable with this scenario. Like, if you were just, yeah. like, sitting in a coffee shop and a couple people came up to you and were like, hey, do me a favor, date this guy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess, you know, there there is that sort of, you know, not quite, not quite panopticon, but that kind of group surveillance effect of pretty much every teen in town is at Mickey's. So yeah. I feel like they would at least feel pretty safe. I, I would feel better if they had called her by her name and were like, hey, Grace, do me a favor and like yeah. prove that they knew who she was. I feel like it just from what we know of Parker, it is a very Parker move to go to like random teen it's true. and be like, hey, it's true. Do thing. Hey, do thing. Save my butt. Impressed? Yeah, that was cool. Oh, I'm bagged. It was worth it, man. We got some good stuff here. The sound of Roscoe at night. Doesn't get better than that. Robbie and Travis get back from their their sound collecting adventure. Robbie starts playing some of the sounds and they're, you know, they're just like average sounds, like people running after a bus, a don't like the dinging bell of like a donut shop door being opened and stuff. And Robbie's like, "Can you tell me why these sounds are so small town?" Like maybe it's cuz you live in a small town, Robbie. <laughs> but Travis is like, "What's wrong with small town?" basically like Robbie's upset because he wants to be a journalist and how is he supposed to have any cred if he hasn't been anywhere Robbie you're 14 calm down um but it turns into this whole thing where Travis points out that he's kind of jealous of Robbie because uh Robbie has roots in Roscoe where Travis has been traveling around a bunch and we've seen from his sort of loner attitude that he doesn't really you know he does his best to move on from other places as soon as he moves and um you know, Robbie complains about just being stuck in this small town karaoke, and it turns out Travis has never done karaoke. So we might get to see Travis do karaoke. I'm so excited. Robbie's dragging him off to Mickey's, and it's going to be good. I've manifested the musical. Yes, this is oh the Travis God. musical episode. I'm so excited. Ray, this is the girl I've been telling you about. Ray Brennan, I'd like you to meet Grace. Grace Sutter. Hi, nice to meet you. Uh, take a seat. Much to Jody's horror, it turns out that Lily totally doesn't know who Grace is <laughs> because she she drags Grace over and she's like, I'd like you to meet. And then there's this uncomfortable pause before Grace is like, I'm Grace. <laughs> and so they go on this double date. And we basically get this montage of Ray and Lily talking over Mark and Grace. And it's basically kind of a friend date for the two of them. Like they're, like they're monkeying around together and 
there's a part where they're just kind of like throwing each other on the couch over and over and mark and grace are definitely not feeling it meanwhile in the montage robbie's you know continues to drag travis into the room for karaoke which is extremely exciting eventually it gets to the point where mark is like you know what i'm gonna go <laughs> like, this sucks well he doesn't say this sucks he's actually very very graceful about it because he leaves and lily chases after him and basically mark knows what's up he says if ray paid as much attention to you as he did in church you wouldn't get yelled at by the pastor so much it's like oh thanks church man what, what is what is he doing that is causing the pastor to like stop mass or whatever the, the ceremony is to yell at a teen Ray shut the fuck up <laughs> gonna heckle that priest um, <laughs> is this Jerry Seinfeld saying Jesus yeah Jerry Seinfeld giving a sermon gold Jesus gold <laughs> blessed are the meek what's the deal with that <laughs> what does meek even mean What's the deal with Hecuba? <laughs> so Mark very sweetly encourages Lily to go ask Ray out. Meanwhile, inside, Ray's been making things up. Ray's been trying to make up with Grace, basically giving them a fresh start because Grace kind of pointed out the same thing that, you know, they're, he hasn't been very attentive. So Ray's like, you know what? We're starting over. And so they get this cute vibe going. And in, in the span of Lily talking to Mark, Grace and Ray are already singing karaoke and she peers through the window and sees them singing together and she looks real sad. <laughs> it's very sad. But I mean, I'm glad, I'm glad that they're at least singing because before them, it was just Guitar Face, the, uh, the barista of Mickey's, just doing air guitar on stage to, I guess, a karaoke track, just like yeah. shredding to a MIDI file. <laughs> Oh my gosh, yeah. Very different interpretation of uh, of karaoke. This can be karaoke. I feel bad for Lily, but it's like, Lily, this is why I gotta be straightforward with your feelings. And in the next scene, she's very angrily flipping the list of karaoke songs as Ray and Grace are being all cute together and having moments. Um, and yeah, she's she's very upset. But then we finally get, you know, what started as, as a B-plot about like, Assigned baseball in Hideki Matsui has led us to this moment where Travis is going to be singing karaoke. <laughs> and it's so exciting. And it was f as soon as Travis came to the microphone, it all came back. Yes. Like Celine Dion, it's all coming back to me now. <laughs> Just this moment of like, oh, I do remember this part where Travis sings because he has this weird sort of crooner moment. Yeah. Yeah. It's like this <laughs> weird, like jazzy rendition of There's No Place of Like Ball with the Bar. <laughs> What? Ba with the ba? You don't know that one? What? No. Ba with the ba, the bang, the bang. Can't believe you don't know ba with the ba. Ba with the ba. Isn't that what it's called? <laughs> I'm not joking. It's called ba with the ba. It is. Ba with the ba. Yeah, Travis sings a jazz version of ba with the ba. And it's, 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 it's really, it's a revelation. Like we've never seen, there's nothing in Travis's character that would make us think that he would give us a crooner performance. Like before I remembered what it was, it was like, I wonder if Travis is just going to troll and do spoken word or something. And then no, every, but he's every intonation of it came back. Cause like he, he does yeah. like, you know, like in true, like cruder style, just like starts like throwing out like words. He's like, home, oh, sweet, sweet home, Wait, home no. Roscoe. Yeah. Oh God. It burned into my brain. Yeah. It just unlocked a whole set of memories. And Lily snaps yet another pencil because she's managed to not fix her situation at all. <laughs> and so we, we leave the episode with another another new pairing complicating the love triangle or quadrangle or whatever shape it is now and the dulcet tones of travis strong singing karaoke for the first time so over in mickey's discs for this episode we've got front and center by avery taken by the getaway stay by Secadin, monkey mask by the Melgrove band and heartbreaker by riff randall's I couldn't really find much about The Getaway, but The Getaway is kind of like our 
our special guest band of the episode because now they're doing these radio call-out things so we can hey this is matt from the getaway and our favorite segment is he talk she talk um all i could find about the getaway was i found a discogs page it just says pop punk band from ontario canada uh they had an ep in 2000 called the getaway and an album called what can you do from 2002 and that has uh that's the album that the song taken is from and that's about all i can tell you you can buy um you can buy the cds off of discogs if you want there's currently 10 for sale from canadian five dollars and 23 cents on the marketplace at discogs if you want to listen to more of the getaway which i think is one of our bands that features quite a bit yeah. in season two of rfr yeah i mean these are these are all bands that we've seen uh show up before so we're really hitting a, a groove of rfr music you have any closing thoughts thomas um no we said it all we did it all talked about um, toilets a lot talked Toilet about toilets men. i'm still thinking about the ghoulies <laughs> i could be thinking about the ghoulies for a while my head's yeah. in the game but my heart's in the toilet with the ghoulies <laughs> I mean, my last, I do have one more ghoulies point. If if we're opening this up again, um, you know, like we've already gone 90% of the way there. I'd like to talk about, um, I was on a Wikipedia page for the ghoulies and there was this like sick spreadsheet. Sammy, you're looking at it though. Can you describe this sick spreadsheet? Yeah, it's got, like, there's a character section and it's got a ghoulie spreadsheet and it like lists the ghoulies and then... You know how, like, sometimes you'll be reading about a director or something like that, and they'll have a cast of characters they like to work with, and so you'll have the little check marks for which movies they appear in. So they've done that, but with the 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 ghoulie characters, uh, including fish ghoulie, cat ghoulie, rat ghoulie, flying ghoulie, monkey ghoulie, clown doll ghoulie, other fish ghoulies, <laughs> toad ghoulie, giant ghoulie, Light ghoulie and dark ghoulie. Um, so, Sammy, I'm going to ask you a question. Yes. Um, I previously said that fish ghoulie was my favorite ghoulie. Is yeah. fish ghoulie in Ghoulies <laughs> 4? Uh, fish ghoulie is in Ghoulies 4 through archival footage. <laughs> <laughs> the only ghoulies that are in Ghoulies 4 are light ghoulie and dark ghoulie, but they're not in any of the other ghoulies movies, so I think that's where ghoulies, uh, the ghoulie series took a I But can't... we do know that fish ghoulie goes to college. We do. I can't believe they included archival footage of five different ghoulies in Ghoulies 4. I also love, on the Ghoulie series, there is a little overview paragraph for every Ghoulies movie. This is the Ghoulies uh, overview. So, according to stories that Charles Band, who was an executive producer of the film, I believe, uh, tells on his Full Moon Horror Roadshow, he was tasked to come up with a great campaign to promote the film. During a brainstorming session with Gary Allen, he came up with the idea to have the ghoulie popping from they popping up from the did toilet. not. <laughs> Although Band has claimed that the scene with the ghoulie popping out of the toilet was shot after the fact to mirror the poster image, Luca Bercovici says it was part of the original shoot. Citation needed. <laughs> <laughs> so there's some contention about the toilet content of Ghoulies. Oh one. no. Well, we've got to watch oh. Ghoulies now. I, I think we got to have so. a ghoulie fest. I think fest. we have to watch all four. Well, thank you so much for joining us today, Tom. Thank you, guys. I feel um, like I've grown so much as a person. I, I hope this has helped fuel your creative suits of drawing hyper-realistic men in toilets. Yeah, I'm going to work on that. Yeah, you have, a, you have a journey now that you have to undertake. The winter's here is closed. It's under construction, so I don't know where I'm going to do this. <laughs> <laughs> They're re-roofing the winners, so yeah, I'm all out of luck. <laughs> I want to use that as an excuse for anything now. I can't do it. They're re-roofing the winners. Oh my god, guys, there's a Ghoulies website. Stop. <laughs> <laughs> Matthew Lillard made his film debut in Ghoulies 3, Ghoulies Go to College. Wow. wow. You can get Ghoulies t-shirts on a site called Gutter Garbs. <laughs> Gutter Garbs. Do they come pre-toileted? <laughs> Actually, there's a... An enamel pin of a ghoulie coming out of a toilet from the official site. No, I just want to, if I dressed up as fish ghoulie for Halloween with the pork pie hat and the um, and the loose necktie and the, the Oxford shirt, do you think anyone would get that? <laughs> wow, this this cat ghoulie enamel pin is frightening. <laughs> He's got a little knife. <laughs> Stop. I can't take any more of this. What do you think the ghoulies majored in? <laughs>
There's a section on this website called Malcolm's Spellbook, and it gives you directions to summon a ghoulie. Well, I don't want to oh. summon one. Where am I going to go to the... Where am I going to pee-pee? <laughs> Do you think they like it? I can tell you, George doesn't like it when you pee-pee on him, but the ghoulies might. Oh, fuck. George shrinks. George shrinks. He's small. And covered in piss. <laughs> when you played the George Shrinks theme song last week, I always thought the lyric was George Shrinks, George Shrinks, he's small. Me too. What is it again? I know it's not that now. He's called. Oh, that's dumb. You know what bothers me is that he's called George Shrinks and not George Shrink. <laughs> George Shrink. He's already shrunk. <laughs> George Shrank. <laughs> Honey, I shrunk the George. George, I shrunk the George. George, 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 George. George of the toilet. <laughs> Brendan Fraser George, stars George, in. George <laughs> well, if you're not already, you can follow <laughs> us on social media. You can find us at Podcast for Roscoe on Facebook and Instagram or Pod for Roscoe on Twitter. You can also email us if you like emailing. We're at podcastfreerosco@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you want, send us a voice clip and we'll put you on the air. So for now, this is Podcast Free Roscoe. Signing off. We're so humble. There's no place like home. Oh, home sweet home. There's no place like home.